Pastor Nathan spoke to me a few weeks ago, and he said, uh, people have many questions about demons. Now, you know, when I first started in ministry, just to give you some of my history, there was a lot of talk about demons at that time. I encountered demons, uh, demon manifestations. Uh, early on as a 20-year-old, I was in one church, a very large Assembly of God church, actually in that part of the country. And uh, the pastor and I spent a, a night in prayer. And uh, then uh, the next evening, we started our meeting. It was supposed to last for five days. And uh, the very first service, uh, the pastor freaked out. He was more than twice my age. He'd been a minister. I was just a young minister when five people in the service. One of them was the church treasurer. I don't know if he was a Judas or what. I don't dare say, but they all went completely crazy. And they are screaming Lucifer and crawling under the seats. And, uh, and, and I look at the pastor like, you're in charge here. He looks at me, well, you're the guest preacher. You're the anointed one. So I said, well, here I go. I may as well act like I know what I'm doing. And I did. We cast them all out. And I stayed there for six weeks with people uh, getting saved and coming to Christ. So I could start telling you stories about my own life. And I only say to you that, that to say that I'm not a novice in this. I'm not a person who just got exposed to this or somebody introduced a good topic to address. I have spent some time on this. I have uh, cast out many spirits, evil spirits. I encounter that. I have seen what I consider abuse, and I've seen what I consider to be a proper work in this area. And so as I kind of teach about it today, I know that I will be causing some questions to come in your mind, and it's not possible to answer all the questions. I love when you bring me questions about what I taught. That would give reason for a second teaching session, you see. But I'm going to just share the things that I feel are most pertinent. And so what we're doing today is what I call a biblical paradigm of the reality of demons. So I'm going to approach this from the Bible. So when I say the truth about demons, it seems like a pretentious title. Now he's going to give the truth. Well, I'm giving the truth within the parameter of the Bible, within the parameter of Jesus and the Gospels and the Apostles and uh, the, particularly the New Testament, but the New Covenant teaching. I will pay special attention to manifestations of evil spirits that occurred after the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had already triumphed with all principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. So that is the approach that I am taking. Now there is in the church other approaches. There is Christians who deny or minimize the reality of uh, the invisible spiritual world of, of evil powers. There are many churches, even Pentecostal charismatic churches, where the pastor would never raise this topic. It could be for fear of, of being criticized. Uh, and, and there's also those who not necessarily in charismatic churches, but they blame God for everything. They don't even consider that there are evil powers. And others may say, well, it's kind of primitive to talk about evil spirits. Now, you come from many different backgrounds in the world. So some of you come from parts of the world where maybe you heard a lot of teaching and mention of the devil and demons. Others of you come from a church background where you hardly ever heard about it. And we are wonderfully privileged to have a international church here. I'm so, we're so pleased for the Toronto Celebration Church. It's international. We who were not a people, we are a people. 
But as a pastor and founder of this, I consider all those things. And so you all come from different backgrounds. And then there is a third approach, which I'm going to speak about at some length. There are Christians who what I consider are obsessed with demons and the devil. This is their primary focus. And this particular emphasis comes in waves. When I started in ministry, there was that wave going on. I go back to the 1970s. I was barely out of my mother's womb, but I was starting ministry. And uh, there was a strong emphasis on demons. There was actually one pastor here in Scarborough, a wonderful man. He was quite influential, he influenced others who were, became more known than he was, uh, who wrote many books on this. There was a place in Nova Scotia. There was... Uh, Many places. One wrote a book called Deliver Us From Evil, Pigs in the Parlor, uh, the, 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 those kind of books, which uh, really put an emphasis on, the, on demons. You, you could really say that just about everything was a devil. And that kind of spread into a, a number of things. So any accident, if you were in an accident, you had a demon of accidents, you had a demon of mishap. If you were overeating, you had a demon of overeating. And the whole uh, context of speech became, you know, so-and-so is under the grip of the devil, and the devil is ruling here, and she has a bad spirit, and, and we are under attack, and we expect an attack, and there's resistance in my spirit. And, and there was a tremendous focus on the devil. Now, please understand that there's an appeal to this. Churches open up to this because there's an appeal to it. For example, if you're struggling with overeating or lust or uh, uh, an infirmity, and maybe you're struggling with some area in your life where you don't have discipline, it's a really a quick fix to say, well, you have a demon. And if you want to help people, you yourself, that appeals to me. If I could just go boom, and, and they're going to lose weight. I mean, that, that seems very appealing. And if that is then uh, undergirded by testimonies and so on, so, so it's appealing. If, if we love people, it could seem appealing. But uh, I would say, uh, because we want to help people, I've been around so long that, you know, I've seen the same float in the parade several times. <laughs> That's how long I've been around. So that kind of wave in the 70s, it kind of worked its way out. After all those who were kind of tantalized and intrigued by that, calling everything a demon, after they kind of, they had all been to the demon seminars, they had all been to the weekend away for exorcism, they had all been counseling, had some demons cast out and come back for more next week. After they had all kind of been treated and found out, it really didn't work. The wave went out. Then the wave came back in the 90s. I was around in the 90s. I was going strong. And there was a wave of a number of preachers and teachers who, again, were having this obsession, this uh, tremendous uh, focus, everything being the devil. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know friends of mine. I'm not talking about things I've heard or read who invited such teachers and preachers. And basically, the assumption was that everyone, every church member had a demon, that deliverance from demons was something for Christians, not for the unsaved. And so one of the ways that was quite common is that we believe that demons, when your demons came out, 
you would spit, you would vomit out demons. And I know myself, <laughs> all the players in the drama, where the pastor and his wife would come and they would sit and they would have the demon cast out of them. And of course, this creates a tremendous pressure on the whole congregation. After all, if our revered pastor needs to have demons cast out, and then the youth pastor, and then the worship leader, and on down, who are you to think that you don't also need to go and spit in the bucket? So that wave came. If children were disorderly, again, I'm speaking personal experience, were disorderly in Sunday school, they had a spirit of rebellion. And so teachers would gather around and cast out the spirit of rebellion. Sometimes the parents were happy when they heard about it, sometimes not. But everything was basically a demon. So that wave came and it left. Because the same thing happened. In the end, it doesn't work. In the end, everybody is disappointed. But initially, of course, if you are exposed in a situation, let's say you have a, a feeling of rejection. Someone tells you you have a spirit of rejection, and then you have two, three people spending three days with you focusing on your spirit of rejection, and you're screaming, and they're screaming, and they're crying. Naturally, you feel a sense of relief afterwards. You can go to these completely non-Christian groups that... that uh, encourage people to do the primal scream, and people feel relieved, relieved. Of course, if you spend that much focus on yourself and on your problem and other people around you, you do feel initially a sense of relief. But the reason the wave goes away is because it doesn't work. Remember, I'm going back to the biblical paradigm. Now, when Pastor Nathan alerted me, I have been, come to my attention that the wave is back in been a few years now, it's becoming very popular again. I was very amazed at this. For example, <laughs> because I live in a world, here's how I live. I live in a world of consciousness of Jesus. Even if I'm having a bad day, I'm feeling a little I'm low energy, I feel, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just conscious of Jesus. So it's a little strange to me when I hear Pastor Nathan said, oh, people are wondering about demons. I have to kind of step out of my world, which is Christ is here. Bless God. He upholds everything from this pulpit to this shirt to me. And he, I'm in here. So, so I have to kind of, oh, I said, okay. And I don't want to do that in any kind of a condescending way. I, I really have spent much time this week thinking about that people have, I want to help you. You may be upset with me today, but I want to help you. I love you. I don't want anything bad for you. So when you tell me that I have a demon in my apartment in North York, and you believe it. You believe it. In fact, you're, you're connected to it. Or you say, I can't pray because demons are hindering my prayer. Some of you have graduated from Bible school. And you say that with all sincerity. Please understand, I'm here to help you. And I'm only, I'm not bragging, I can tell you stories how I've cast out demons, but that's not my point. I just want to tell you, I'm not a novice. I have dealt with this. I have some knowledge, not everything, aware of I speak. So for example, Pastor Nathan, I was very surprised this week. This week here in Toronto, there's a demon seminar going on. I found out on Friday. This week, in a church that I consider, you know, kind of like ours, but I guess they're not like us. It's, it's, uh, 
And, and the people speaking there, I said, who are these people? If this wave is on its way back in, no, there are people speaking there who believe they cast out demons out of themselves every week. They believe that demons have literal physical bows and arrows and fires at people. They have all kinds of, this is going on this week. So this wave of very convenient blaming problems on devils is on its way in. And so we're not going that. We're going to cast out devils. I think I cast out a couple this morning without you even notice. Maybe you just close your eyes and I just got them out. <laughs> but uh, so, so, so say this. Uh, uh, so so the, the reason I'm dealing with this, I don't want the groups that do all kinds of things that are outside of the Bible in the name of the Bible in Christ to have monopoly on this. I'm not afraid of, of, of addressing it. But I, I am saying that the scripture and the gospel does not allow us to exalt the devil and demons to such great power. And, and so not everything is a demon. What about if you hear voices? What if you hear voices? Well, it could be your psychosis. And that medication will cause you to cease to hear voices. So did medication then drive out the devil? So it, we need discernment here. Any discernment. When I talk to pastors in many parts of the world where this wave has been more going on and seems to never end, I describe to them as gently as I can the absolute ridiculousness of casting out the devil out of your church building every Sunday. Because this is a common practice. They plead the blood over every chair and they cast the devil out of the building. And this takes a good 20 to 30 minutes. Some want to do this in our festivals. They want to stand on the stage and scream at the devil for half an hour before I arrive. So I have to send guards to make sure that I remove such people. Uh, and, 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 and so they cast the devil out. And I show the pastors, look at how you glorify the devil. Because then you have a Sunday afternoon service and you do it again. Meaning that the devils that you supposedly drove out before the morning service, taking half an hour, they snuck back while you were out for lunch. And then you have to do it before the Wednesday night Bible study. You have to again drive the devil out. Don't you see, beloved pastors, how you are glorifying the devil? And you look puny yourself. You're, you're obviously such a weak pastor, such a puny, pathetic pastor, that the devils won't even obey you at all. As soon as you turn your back and have a cup of coffee, they crawl back in the room. I said, don't you understand that your people go home and feel if the devil is so strong in our church building, how strong must he not be in my house? If my pastor needs to spend half an hour every service, and some of them have many services a week, to drive the devil out, how much effort must I not spend to drive the devil out uh, out of my, my, my situation? So I'll get back to this in a moment. Let me go into some, uh, cover some teaching points here. Let me just say this. When Paul describes compulsive behavior, he says, the things I didn't want to do, I did. And what I did want to do, I didn't do. Remember, that's compulsive behavior, uncontrollable behavior. He does not blame demons. So just because you say, I can't stop myself, doesn't mean you have a demon. And maybe it could be. And I'll get to that. But it doesn't mean that. Paul says it was religious rules. It was, it was the law that triggered in him. He says, 
if it hadn't been for the 10th commandment, you shall not covet, I would not have known covetousness. But that commandment aroused in me all manner of covetousness. So again, don't assume just because some, you can't stop certain behavior. Now, Satan, also known as the devil, is a created being, once known as Lucifer, excuse the typo there, known as Lucifer, a beautiful and intelligent archangel in whom a multitude of iniquities was found, the main one being pride. There you have a, a pretty good definition. And I, I'm giving you this, uh, uh, you, you see, then we could add Satan was defeated by Jesus. And I give you just three of many references there. So without teaching that and going verse by verse, this is an afternoon service, that kind of summarizes. Satan, also known as the devil, is a created being, once known as Lucifer, a beautiful and an intelligent archangel in whom a multitude of iniquities, the main being pride, was found. Satan was defeated by Jesus. Amen. Okay. So, okay, moving on. Demons are fallen, fallen angels. Let's scroll forward there. Demons are fallen angels, personalities without a body, who seek embodiment. By the way, all these definitions, I didn't get them out of any book or any work. These are definitions that I wrote for you. Demons are fallen angels, personalities without a body, who seek embodiment, seek an expression, physical or mental, by deceiving those who ignorantly or willingly allow the deception. So it could be, you know, people don't even know that they're opening the door to deception, but they are, or some may do it willingly. Demons are subject to believers in the name of Jesus Christ. So there you have a summary of that. So demons are personalities or persons without a body, fallen angels who oppose God, and they are in opposition to the finished work of Jesus. They distract from that. One of the interesting items about demons is in James 2.19. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even demons believe and tremble. Come on, somebody get excited about that verse. So he's saying you think it's a big deal, you believe there's one God, even the demons believe that and tremble. Hallelujah. All right, moving along. Demons and devil, the devil, have been defeated by Jesus Christ. We must start at that point. And so Hebrews 2, 14, to support that says, and I could give you dozens and dozens of verses, that through death Jesus might destroy him uh, that had the power of death, that is the devil. Okay, so something happened in Jesus' death and resurrection. Let's read one more verse that says that, John 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast down. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. And so he's saying right now, the ruler of this world, which is the devil, will be defeated. He's being cast down. So what really happened? One of the ways the church fathers explained this was, that Jesus' death was like a hook to the devil. He didn't realize. It's like a fish. 
you know, who, who bites a hook with a lure on it and thinks, it's, however fish may think, that this is going to be something good and well-tasting, but in fact it hooks them. And so that they didn't know that they crucified Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of glory. They didn't know that. It, it, it looked like an easy defeat or an easy victory from the devil's point of view uh, to get Jesus put out of the way. Uh, he who had tormented uh, demons and evil spirits. Get hit. So he, it was like a hook, and they bit into the hook, which opened the door for the victory, which ultimately came through the resurrection. When Jesus Christ triumphed forever over evil, death, hell, principalities and powers and made a show openly of them. Hallelujah. And, and, and so something happened. Judgment over the devil was passed. Whether that is the accurate one, that it was like a hook, the devil was defeated. That is why it says concerning the Holy Spirit in verse John 16, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So Satan, who is the ruler of this world, has been judged. It's a good starting point in this teaching. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty here in a moment. Let me read one more, Colossians 2.13. He has made, alive to, made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. So this must be read in its totality, those three verses. In what way did Jesus' death and resurrection disarm the devil? It took away his weapon, which is accusation. Since Jesus had removed and forgiven your sins and the handwritings of requirement, the devil had, in essence, nothing left against you. So all he can do is to deceive you because he has nothing. He can pretend he has something. It's like if somebody's doing a holdup with a pistol, but there's no bullets there. There is the pretense, I could kill you. But the person actually can't kill you. He's just pretending that. So Jesus Christ, he took those away by his death on the cross. So the devil really doesn't have anything against you. He must invent and deceive you into thinking that he's got something. So when you, for example, sin or you do something wrong or you fail in some way, then you can begin to think, oh, it must be the devil or I'm so bad, I'm so bad. You accuse yourself or you blame the devil. And then the devil there, the deceiver, he comes in and he then uses that against you, which is just a charade. It's a trickery. It's not true because whatever wrong you have ever done or ever will do, Jesus took care of that. And so that is why the devil was disarmed by that. So that's why we read that. I know I read that verse quite often, but I want you to see that the whole passage is needed. I can't just get read the last part that he triumphed over principalities and powers because the previous verses actually specify how he did that. Now, so with that being a fact, as I've already alluded to, demons operate by lies and deception. And this is the big point here. Jesus calls them the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. Revelation 12, 19, the great dragon was cast out. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. That's it. He deceives the whole world. So if you have devil problem, 
in your apartment, you have deception problem in your apartment. To have devil problem, to have demon problem, is to have deception problem. Very important to understand that. You could say, well, I have demon problems. Well, you have deception problem. You've been deceived. That's what he does to the whole world. He does it to the whole world. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles are schemes, charades, pretenses. The Greek word is methodeia. Methodeia, you can put that up there. That's the Greek word for wiles. It means trickery, a charade. So what we are to stand against is not actually the devil or demons. It is the charade, the trickery, the methodeia of the devil. So please understand, if you have devil problems, if you may be a hearer, you're very sincere, say, I have demon problems. I've been prayed for a hundred times, I've got demon problems. But I just say to you, as lovingly as I can, consider that you have deception problems. And I'm just getting started on that. Stay with me. <sighs> Thank you. So, so you'd be led astray, go on a wild goose chase. It's like a prank. Well, how are we to deal with that? Well, it says later on, to stand against it. And you've heard me teach that the reason it says stand, it doesn't say attack the devil, it says stand because there's nothing left to attack. He is already defeated. There's nothing that you can further do to defeat the devil. So you stand in the victory that Jesus has already given. Amen. One more verse in Corinthians 11:3. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul is saying, I have a fear. I have a fear concerning you, Christians, that your mind, everybody say the mind, will be deceived, just like Eve was. So again, he says, he doesn't say, I'm concerned that in the heavenly realm over the area where you live, there are demons up there uh, several thousand feet above where you are. He's not, he's not concerned about that. He doesn't, I'm concerned that some of you in your homes and your backyards, you will have some statues of some idol, and I'm concerned that demons have attached themselves to that wooden sculpture. I doesn't say that. I'm not concerned about that. He says, I'm concerned, you know, that your sister went over to Thailand and she was spending a week in the Buddhist temple, and when she came back, she brought an evil spirit into your home. He doesn't say that. He said, I'm concerned and I'm afraid that your mind commonly referred between the eyebrow and the hairline. He said, I'm concerned about this area, this area. I'm not concerned about the Buddha statue she brought home. I'm not concerned about the little idol from Africa that they put up in the bookshelf. I'm concerned about eyebrow to the hairline. That's what I'm concerned about. That your mind would be what? Deceived. Again, if you got demon problem, you got deception problem. From the simplicity that is in Christ. 
You know, sometimes I kind of, now I've been teaching for 10 minutes, so it's time to tell a story, because, you know, then you kind of can breathe, okay? So, for example, to help my pastors in Africa and India and, and Australia, wherever, I always tell a story how the devil deceived me. I was preaching in a city in India where they worship monkeys. They had monkey temples. They worshiped monkeys. Monkeys had flowers on them, monkey statues. So I was preaching, this is many years ago, and I was believed, but I maybe wasn't as, as developed in my beliefs as I am now. And so on the Monday night, Tuesday, Monday, Sunday went fine, Monday night I'm preaching again, a large crowd, and uh, a man in a suit, I still remember kind of a light gray suit with a vest, an Indian man, starts behaving like a monkey. I mean, he, he looked wealthy. He looked like a successful businessman. He's acting monkey on me. And he's screaming something, and everybody's being disturbed. So I said to the translator, what is he saying? Oh, he says, he's talking to you, talking to me, talking to me. And he says, you are a thief. You've come to steal his people. You hear, this man is a thief. He's stealing, saying this about me. And he's running towards me. And you know, all the Christians were like good Christians, afraid. <laughs> That's what Christians are, afraid. Oh, there's a demon. And, you know, kind of being caught in the moment, I remember my instinct, where are my ushers? Well, that's the worst thing you can ask for. The ushers are, can be very, not, not Brian Bawawa and his gang, but, but ushers can be very scared and very frightened. So the ushers, so he's had some feeble ushers. I think if I remember right, 12 to 15 of them, he had actually knocked to the ground and he was not a big man. He was a very skinny man. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I need more ushers. You see, I was deceived. But my deception didn't last very long. He's coming now. He's coming up the stairs. And about the time he came on the platform, you know, about the size platform like I was there, uh, my deception broke. And I remembered Christ. And I said, in Jesus' name, stop. That's all I said. And he fell down. And he lay there. So then I went on and preached. I gave an invitation for people to come to Christ. I had a healing service. I had testimonies. All the while, this guy's lying there in his light gray suit with a vest and tie and white shirt. So this went on maybe for an hour and 50 minutes, maybe two hours. He's lying there. And everybody who's been healed, they walk around him. I just ignore the whole thing. And so then I thought, is he dead? <laughs> I didn't mean to kill the man, you know. We, we, we are in life-giving ministry. So I thought, is he dead? So then to be sure, I kind of walked over, said to the translator, come with me. And I got standing over him. And the guy rolls over. And he just looks at me and says, I need Jesus. You know, he, he received. It was beautiful. But my point in telling the story, because how many stories were that, was that I forgot. I was deceived, thinking, oh, sure, so we need to do this. Why don't they help me? I forgot who I was in Christ. Don't forget. Tell, tell your neighbor, don't forget. Minds corrupted. Sometimes this deception regarding demons seems to connect with people who believe that they are prophets. I had a woman who attended our church for many years, a wonderful worker, but she was under a demonic delusion. She would tell me, 
The Antichrist lives kitty corner from my house. She prophesies, says, I'm going to have a child. She was volunteering an office love. This is many years ago. You don't know who it was. And she actually began to build up her stomach. You could see from the fourth month to the sixth month to the eighth month to the ninth month. Everybody thought she was pregnant. I didn't think so, but she looked pregnant. She's getting bigger. But you know, nine months begins and then it ends, right? At some point, things must happen, right? So after 12 months, she's still looking very pregnant. Everybody began to say something's wrong. Now, I talked to her. I tried to teach her these things. In the end, she took her car and drove straight into a brick wall and killed herself. That is, and she had gone to every demon seminar, every demon-busting conference. She was attracted, wouldn't listen to me, because, you know, Peter doesn't understand. Oh, he doesn't understand these deeper things. She died. I did her funeral. I believe she's with Jesus. So I'm not messing around here. You may not like what I have to say, but I'm here to help people. I'm here to help people. This is no joke. She sincerely believed that. Ephesians 4.27 says, Nor give place to the devil. For the devil to have place, that place must be given. He is incapable of taking it himself. This is speaking in the area of being forgiving, but, but the, the principle is true. So, so giving place to the devil is to give place to deception. Giving place to the devil is giving place to deception. He cannot encroach at will. Now, there is a subculture. There are certain denominations that are maybe more uh, easily, easily deceived. For example, I remember when we started here church in Toronto, there was a number of people who were really into it. So at the end of the 90s, they were into the mapping so they were even studying in the Toronto libraries, Calgary, Vancouver, whatever. They were studying the different spirits of the people who lived in these areas 200, 300 years ago. And they were seeking to break those spirits. And they were concerned about you know, all kinds of activities that have gone on. There were people who had scripture verses with prophecies and they would travel across Canada. It still happens. And they dig a hole in the ground and they bury the scripture because it's going to speak to the land. Speak to the land. These are generally very small groups because most sensible people understand the foolishness. <laughs> and, and furthermore, of course, none of this is in the Bible. But somebody invents it and so it becomes. You know, there was a man who wrote a number of books about this. His name was Frank Peretti. That's about 20 years ago. He had these um, demons who were hovering over churches and he had this. It was a novel, you know, about he had a series of novels about this, how demons were. People got believe this. It doesn't matter if Jesus didn't say anything about it or Paul or Peter. or and People just believe it, see. And... Uh, <sighs> Many of these things. For example, in one of the current trends, I have here a demon manual in my hand just published by a very famous person becoming famous. He's one of the trendsetter in this current demon wave. So I have, I'm not going to give you his name, but I have his deliverance handbook right here. So now I'll tell you exactly how deception happens. Have you ever noticed that people with devil problems are generally spirit-filled Christians? Isn't it amazing that people who have received Jesus, 
have been saved for a while, they're the ones with devil problems. Now, some of the stories I told you, the guy acting like a monkey, he was not a born-again Christian. You can look at the other one about the monkey man, Zechariah, who had been tied in chains, and then he broke loose, and for seven years he ran like a wild animal. I, I saw him delivered. I cast the devils out of him. I mean, I've dealt with some real devils, not these phony Pentecostal devils. So this book here, Deliverance Handbook, let me just say, in the introduction, the author says the following, warning, the booklet you hold in your hand is the result of many months of prayer, fasting, and learning to flow in obedience to the Holy Spirit like never before. Anytime anybody starts a teaching by saying, this teaching is the result of many months of prayer, fasting, run away. The person is intimidating you so that you don't dare question what he says. You're supposed to sit there and think, well, who am I? If this man has prayed and fasted for months, and he says, this is obeying the Lord like never before. First of all, find out if he's a person who says like never before all the time. So this is sheer intimidation. So that you, a good Christian, you can't really look in the Bible. Don't look in the Bible. Because the man of God says he's been fasting and praying. So right there, you're kind of in fear. Like one demon buster, he said, I just walk by you and you feel a little nervous. That's a demon. <laughs> just, I have no respect for this. None. To hell with it all. I preach Christ and I cast out real demons. Let me give you more. Then this person gives you what is the expected manifestation of demons. These are the starts out by saying, if these things happen, you can expect that you have a demon. Let me give you to it. Screaming, sweating, burping, coughing, sneezing, yawning, sudden urge to urinate, passing gas, falling, trembling, spitting, cursing, sobbing, Runny nose, bloody nose, watery eyes, lightheadedness, tingling, heat burning sensation, bitter taste, ringing in the ears, muscle spasms, body pains, headaches, stiff hands, itching, nervousness, twitching, vomiting, dizziness, violent outburst, tightness in your chest, choking sensation, dizziness, violent outburst, chest tightness, choking sensation, demonic visions, tension release, peace, peace, peace can even be a demon, a heavy breathing, drooling, roaring, stomach cramps, dry heaving, skin irritation, laughter. Well, you, you know what this is? This is deception. You're telling pretty well something that every human being has had one or two or three or five of these, and you're planting the seed thought that you have a demon. This man, together with the people who are in this other church here, are planting seed thoughts that you, a person, a new creation in Christ, that you have a demon. That's just the first page, and it goes on and on. What strength are these? 
It's too strong for me. It goes on and on. I can just pages and pages of occultic things. So you see, people, I was over in Sweden, and I'm leaving the meeting. I'm walking out just this last month, and uh, a very nice woman, she looked very much together, comes up and stops me. And I'm saying to Dasha, just, I've been here for hours, I gotta go. And she says, she has a demon. So I talked to her, she says, well, how is it involved in the occult ones? Oh, that's the Trump card. Oh, of course, that trumps everything. So you had some Ouija board. Oh, that, that, woo, that totally nullifies Jesus. Oh, boy, you had a little palm reading once. Oh, well, and in the light of that little Jesus, whatever he did, won't amount to anything much. See, so you tell people, just because you had a little Ouija board, little puny Ouija board thing, somehow has nullified Jesus. So now Jesus alone and him coming to live with you can't handle that. So the preachers tell you that. And you believe that. You believe that. You study this. You, you go to these demon seminars. That's why I say, who has demons? Not unsaved people. Very rare. Christians, especially charismatic, spirit-filled Christians. Some who have graduated from Bible school. Christians who I meet says, I pray three hours a day and I can't get rid of the demons. People, I'm talking about Toronto. I pray three hours a day. I can't get rid of the demons. My heart goes out to you. And I can, without knowing, I can tell you, you have been listening, whether on Christian television or in books, to these kind of self-diagnosis for demons. And you have convinced, you've given your mind to it. You have given your mind to the idea that demons have a right to operate in you because of something you have done. And you even come and tell me, or Pastor Nathan or someone, when we say, well, go home and just rebuke it in the name of Jesus, you'll come and say, I did that and nothing happened. Exactly. Exactly. Because you have given your mind over to that the devil has such power and you have so reduced and minimized Jesus Christ, what he has done and what he is in you, that you can scream the name of Jesus all you want. Your mind has been given over. I fear lest Satan as he deceived Eve's mind, he has deceived you from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. And these kind of things, this is the deception. Don't worry about Harry Potter and Ninja Turtles. This is what causes people to live in a demonic realm. Preachers, in the name of Jesus, we'll see it in the Bible in a moment. And it's real. The devil, if, 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 if he gets your mind, it's real. You do hear voices. And you speak the name of Jesus, and they don't stop. I, I believe you. I'm not doubting you. I am not doubting you. It's real. Demons are fallen angels, and you have given them room by listening to such preachers and going to such seminars, not by your little Harry Potter book. Funny, by the way, you know, J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter book, she was so evil, all the Christians said, now she's kind of questioning the trans movement, so now she's with us. You know, people don't even think, but never mind about that. 
Are you with me? So this is it. It's all renounce, all all renounce these preachers. We're going to break it today. Your emotional attachment to preachers who have given you a false solution to your problem and promised you if they could cast out all the so-called demons, which are not demons, that your problem of overeating or rejection or fear or whatever it is would be over, and it won't be over. And eventually you maybe get so disgusted and tired that you say, I give up on everything. So actually, these are demon powers. That man who I cast the devil out of, who was the, not the one with the monkey temples, but the other one who they call the monkey man, who was naked for seven years. Yeah, he was under deception. He believed that he couldn't break it. His family believed it. Any church he was exposed to, they believed it. And they fought and they wrestled with the devil and they prayed and nothing happened. Now he came to my meeting and Jesus appeared to him. So he says, he said, I saw Jesus and the demons left me. I cried and screamed. I was thrown up in the air. I'm going to show this on television again because uh, you see his story there. And he was delivered. He's a preacher today. A few years ago. Now let's look at demon activity in the New Covenant era. Acts 19. Itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were also seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. So you have religious practitioners here. You have exorcists, itinerant preachers, we get the idea, itinerant exorcists, who use the name of Jesus. Did you notice that they used the name of Jesus? And then there were sons of Sceva. They were of the high priest. So they're very religiously connected people. Find the same in Canada. People who have demon problems are religiously connected. It's not the drug addict. It's not the heavy metal rock band with a Lucifer t-shirt. That's not where the problem lies. That's not so interesting to the devil. But to take over the world of religion, to have his own synagogue, so to speak, as it's mentioned, that's what he's into. And it says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know... And Paul I know, but who are you? I like to be with the who are you's. I always told you when the Satan worshipers in St. Catharines wrote under the bridge, Peter Youngren sucks. I felt that was hallelujah. People say, did you see that the demon worshipers, they say Peter Youngren sucks. Well, I said, that's a compliment. At least they know me. I like to be known. They didn't say whoever guy down the street. They said, praise God. (laughs) So it shows you that they have intelligence and willpower. But these religious uh, um, practitioners are powerless. Then it says, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, pay close attention, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Who leaped on the sons of Sceva? Was it the demon? No. 
was the man. Read it. The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. Very important. The devils can't just jump on people. They had to have a deceived man. A man who believed he had supernatural powers, and he believed he was convinced that the devil gave him such power. And they had to have seven sons of Sceva who also were deceived into thinking that the devil was so powerful. So then the man, yes, the devil was in him, the devil was working through him, leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded and they tore the clothes. So all parties here involved were deceived. Sons of Sceva were deceived, the exorcist, the man himself. In the end, it became a positive for the gospel. This became known to all, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, they, they, it says then they confessed their occultic deeds. They brought books, and they burned them, and they were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. And then it says, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Hallelujah. I've always found that, you know, whenever something happens like this, in these stories I've told you, it always brought great wonder and it caused the word of the Lord to prevail. Now, in my approach, how I deal with this, because in many parts of the world where I go to, it is very popular among preachers to be very demon-focused. As I said, they only describe, they cast the devil out of the church building repeatedly, thereby showing their powerlessness, as they need to repeat it again and again. And so... Many of them don't know when they hear of me coming, they assume like I'm like the typical preacher, but I'm not. I warn them in advance. And so, for example, in one place, in some places, they would put up a tent for the demon, demon's tent. And, and they would even send a message to Nathan or to Jacob, my coworker says in the budget, I look at the budget, there's a tent here. I said, what do we need a tent? That's for the demons. I said, you have a tent for demons? being very nice to demons. Why don't you have a tent for me? Maybe I want to sit down in case it rains and have a cup of tea. No tent for me. No tent for my team. No tent for the ushers or the workers or the follow-up people. Tent for demons. Imagine such a thing. I know you can imagine that. I said, pull that tent down. Pull that tent down. Then, then, then you know, among, you have to understand, demons can tear people. But in, I've noticed this, you know, because I have 50 years of experience in this. You go to certain countries and certain Pentecostal churches, they start singing songs like there's power in the blood. And about, like on command, about 20 women start going like this. These are non-real demons. This is a learned behavior to get attention. Those ladies have a devil cast out of them every Sunday. It's like on command. And if they have long hair, because they don't believe in cutting the hair, it can really be sensational when they are wagging around. I just ignore that. I don't mess with that. And uh, if they try to interrupt me, like in one place where they had one of these demon tents, I didn't even know about it. So somebody starts to manifest what could have been an evil spirit. I didn't discern it per se. Uh, I didn't need to. I was doing more important matters, such as preaching the gospel. So I just, uh, the ushers come carrying this person who's shaking. So I just said, stop. They didn't hear me at first. I said, stop. We had like 100,000 people there. Stop. I said, open your palms and drop her or him. Don't put him down. Drop him. That was the last demon. <laughs> 
ones they knew they don't get coddled and carried and put in a special tent, just drop them. Probably got a little backache, but we'll pray for healing. They've got to take care of that later on. So some of this is just, I've been around. I'm not so impressed. Someone starts shaking. Is that all you can do? <laughs> is that all you got? Come on. Is that the devil? Is, is that all you got? Like, what is that? It's a joke. It's nonsense. Sometimes you cast it out, or sometimes you just plug their mouths on their nose. No, said it goes out on its own. And when I cast out demons, I do it every night. I do it once. I said, you spirit of infirmity, in the name of Jesus, come out. That's all I say. I don't say it twice, come out. I don't say it three times. They obey me the first time. Don't mess with this. Acts 16, 18. As we went to prayer, <laughs> a certain slave girl possessed, I'm going to explain that word possessed in a moment, with a spirit of divination, which is kind of a play on the word python, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So here you have a mixture of fortune telling and proclaiming something wonderful, saying of Paul and Silas, you are men of the most high God. And she's using, in other words, the name of the Lord. We presume the name of Jesus. She's referencing and praising Paul and his team while she's telling fortunes. If this woman was around today, she would have a, a YouTube channel. And she would offer you prophecies for an offering in the name of Jesus. And she would say that she's associated with this and that. And she might make it quite a good prophet. That's what she would do today. You're not against Jesus. She's saying this is good. And this she did for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, he being the Spirit, came out the same hour. Let's break this down. First of all, the word possessed is an unfortunate word in the, New, in the King James Bible. It's demonized so. It means to be demonized. We've had these teachings about you can be oppressed, suppressed, possessed, you know, all kinds of words. The, the biblical term is demonized. So, they, so can a Christian have a demon? I say it like this. A person who is in Christ is obviously not under the influence of a demon. But if a person is not in Christ, you can belong to the Christian religion, you can open your mind to deception, like many have in our country. There are many Christians who are wasting their lives, who could do beautiful things for Jesus, and they spend their whole time fighting the devil. The devil in Canada, the devil in the United States, the devil in their city, the devil in their church, the ancestral spirits of their, of their family. They're spending their entire life and they feel like they're doing something very good and useful. They can even feel a little bit proud of it, that they understand these things. They think, oh, the pastor doesn't really understand. But I understand these deeper things as I listen to this idiot here, uh, who I referred to earlier, I heard this, oh, the guy, they prayed and fasted, said, hey, oh, there's demons here. No, 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 no. You could be useful in the kingdom of God. You could do work that bears fruit. But you've been just demonized. You're under the influence of demons. 
So this was, there was an occultic connection here, fortune telling. There was a religious connection, religious jargon. And it was a, we sometimes call this python spirit. And it's actually the word divination here is connected to the word python. You know, python kills its uh, victim by squeezing. And that is what I'm talking about. Those who go to these demon-busting seminars, listen to this preacher who released a movie recently in the theaters, you will be squeezed for years to come. You will be feeling the squeeze because they will never fully get out. There'll be a little prayer session and they say, oh, we see about 11 of them in there. Let's cast them out. Oh, I think three of them came out. We think, boy, I got eight left. <laughs> well, I think that's all we're going to do for today. We got rid of three of them. Hallelujah. Go home. So I got eight. I got eight, eight in here. Then you go back next week. So we've been praying. There's 11 more. Oh, you got eight plus 11. I got 19. And you completely focus on that. And you go to church and people preaching, you have victory in Jesus. Yeah, 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 but, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that, but, but here's the real, let me tell you what really is going on. No, what's really going on is your mind has been deceived. You need to renounce that. Don't be so worried about the Ninja Turtles. Renounce your emotional attachment to preachers who gave you easy solutions and to whom you gave offerings because it seemed and it even gave you a temporary release. You're still stuck on the same treadmill. But this is evil spirits under religious guise with Paul. And it says this went on for many days, which is now leading me to my final point that I want to address is discerning of spirits. So Paul is here preaching He's here preaching, and for many days, there's a woman here who has this religious squeeze the life out of you, demonic influence in her life. Are you with me? She's there for days, and she's there. She's saying, oh, Paul is wonderful. Silas is wonderful. These people preach words from the Most High God. Hallelujah, people. And, and at first, maybe Paul thought, that's great. What a wonderful co-worker here. She's kind of spreading the word about our meeting, getting the gospel out, right? But the longer he, he starts feeling grieved, it doesn't stop him from preaching. It doesn't mean he couldn't do anything. You see, people are worried about demons. There could be two of them sitting here. It wouldn't bother me at all. But they're not sitting here because they don't like me. Because I don't give them any glory. I tell everybody how puny and pathetic they are. They like to go to a church where the preacher makes them sound great. And the devil has this, oh, he's got a grip on the whole thing. That's why they like to attend. But in technically speaking, they could be sitting here. It wouldn't bother me. But they're not. Don't keep looking over there. They're not. There might be an angel. There might be the angel Gabriel sitting over there. I don't know about that. That could happen. I said, they just don't like me because I don't give them uh, their due. They feed on praise. They feed on that. They feed on you saying, oh, I'm under attack. There's such resistance. I, I got demons. They feed on that. They love that. They bring their friends and say, let's hang around here. So Paul was grieved. In other words, there was something in him that didn't sit right. Didn't sit right. It's like that woman who killed herself. 
There was always something. I said to people, no, no. No, she's not going to be on our prayer team. No, no, no. I didn't even know why. I didn't even know why at first. Because she was so helpful. But no, no, no. I, I didn't know why. I was just grieved over that. And when they all gathered, so, oh, she's pregnant now. And she's going to, I couldn't join. But you know, I'm not kind of a bully that just goes in and, no, no. I, I'm like Paul. I could wait for a few days, even many days. I don't have to overreact. Because I know the truth will win out in the end. So at some point, it, it kind of tipped over. He said, come out. So discerning of spirits. There's no gift of discernment. Simply people, I have the gift of discernment. Well, there's no such gift. There's discerning of spirits. And there's three kinds of spirits. There's the human spirit. First of all, there's God's spirit, the human spirit, and evil spirits. Those are three. So you can discern between there's sometimes what you call an evil spirit is a human spirit. People have all these funny things. You say, oh, it's a Jezebel spirit. Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't talk about a Jezebel spirit. I mean, you could say there's a Samson spirit, there's a, there's a, there's a Simon Peter spirit, there's a Daniel spirit. I, I suppose you could, you could say that in a general way, except people make it something completely different. So what I'm doing, as I promised you an hour ago, I'm staying within the Bible paradigm. I'm talking about what the Bible, and, and if somebody says, oh, they have this and that, and so when I quoted this man's list of everything, sweating and squeezing and, 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 and passing gas or whatever could be a demon, well, that's an opinion. It has nothing to do with the Bible. If you like to believe that, go ahead. But don't connect it with Jesus and the gospel. This is a man's theory. He's probably making a lot of money selling seminars and teachings about this to gullible people who believe it's going to help them. And I guess they have to run their course. If it's going to take six, seven years until they realize this doesn't work, hopefully when they come to the end of it, they're not going to say, I give up on everything. I guess Jesus doesn't work either. I hope that's not going to happen. So, so when is a lying spirit a lying spirit or just telling a lie? When, when is suicide a demon? Or whether it's just somebody saying, I've had it, or, or, or getting attention, or whatever it could be. When, when, when is a spirit of infirmity a spirit of infirmity? And when is it uh, just an infirmity? That's interesting, isn't it? So I would advise you, stop self-diagnosing. Now, when I'm in a large meeting with tens of thousands of people, I just command the devil to go because I figure there's going to be two or three of them here anyhow. I must want to include them as well. Now, when I'm dealing individual with people, I, I use discernment. So people come to me and say, oh, pray for me. I have a, there's a demon in my backyard. I said, well, if you're so powerful that you've discerned that, why didn't you cast it out? So if you're going to come to me for help, you've got to be a little bit more humble. You're going to say, I have a problem. I don't know what it is. But you, if you come here with a ready-made, oh, I got a demon, the devil is doing this, he's living, he's living in my bathroom, and he's got one in the bedroom, and oh, go ahead, you're such an awesome person of God. If you've been able to figure all that out, why don't you go and drive them out yourself? I don't want to mess in your business. Stop the self-diagnosis. One of the most popular demons is a demon of gluttony. Because we live in a nation where we all are a little bit uh, overeating. You can say a faint amen. Some of you are not. 
like Gideon here, he's perfect, my wife, a few, a few others, okay? But, but most of us, come on here now. You're pretty good, Alex. Come on over. So, so discernment. I don't take it lightly. It can be when I pray for someone, I say, you know, that there's a, I can sense that there's been infirmity for generations, and I say that there's like a, an evil influence there. They think everything, they just think sickness, sickness. It's not, so there could be a foothold of something evil there. So I break it in the name of Jesus. But sometimes it's not that at all. So what's the solution here? This is my final PowerPoint. Break the deception that fuels demons and devils and manifestations. And when necessary, command evil spirits to leave in the name of Jesus. So I'm sure you have many questions, scripture verses I didn't touch on, and I'm well aware of that. But there's only so much we can handle in one service. Are you with me? My purpose here today is to say my experience and your experience has been People who claim they have problem with the devil are born-again Christians, often baptized in the Holy Spirit. They claim to have devil problems. That in itself ought to make you stop and think something doesn't sit right here. One man supposedly told somebody on our staff here a while ago, says, you know, I never had any demon problems before I became a Christian. Even the first few years, I didn't have it. But after I had gone to Bible school, I had demon problems. Well, it, does something not sit right there? And, and, and many people who have to say this are smart people, educated, have good jobs. It's not that they're kind of some, you know, well, I'm crazy. No, no, smart people. But it seems in this area, doesn't it ring a bell? Something is wrong. If your atheist neighbor has no problems at all, suddenly you are tormented. You were supposed to be the one where the love of God caused all tormenting fear to cease. You could always think, maybe I'll just leave the whole thing. I was having such a peaceful life before I came to Jesus. I think I'd go back to that. But that would be the wrong assessment, wouldn't it? So I'm saying to you, I live in a world of consciousness of Jesus. Pastor Nathan alerted me. I began to look it up a little bit, study and the wave is on its way back. You can go with that. You want to. But I warned you, because I love you, in the end, it will not bring you the results you hoped. What will bring you the results is becoming Christ conscious, growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yes, sometimes you may discern there's an evil spirit that got hold. Then you speak to it, and it leaves in the name of Jesus. But if you're the... But I found out... If your mind is given over, you are bent and determined that those preachers who try to convince you that every little twitch in your neck is a demon, we can come and speak the name of Jesus and you can come back and say, I didn't work, Pastor. And it won't work. It won't work next time either. You know, so don't live in fear of this. Beloved friends, you know, I feel such love in my heart. For you say, Really, I felt the more I was preparing to speak this and trying to put my thoughts in some organized form, I feel love for you. If, if you have been deceived, please, there's no condemnation from me or any kind of looking down. I understand you're a sincere believer and you wanted to believe what anybody told you in the name of Jesus. I, I, I'm not against you. I'm not 
trying to, you know, I speak very strongly, but I'm not a smart aleck. I'm not trying to just tell it like it is. God has something better for you. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer of renouncing false religious influences. And then we're going to pray a prayer over just taking authority over evil powers. And then we're going to go home and rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now this morning, again, I had, we had the healing line. There was actually one occasion. You know, I, I, I don't know everything. Maybe I was wrong. But that was one occasion. One, one individual where I just said, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of infirmity. People were being healed. I just felt that in my spirit. I talked to, you know, I, sometimes I look at people and I can see something. But I've been doing this for many years. And so God has shown me to not fall for every foolishness, but also, and, and, and if that was wrong, if I missed it, it's not the end of the world. But I just felt that on the one occasion. And so I try to be open to the Holy Spirit. But I don't live in the world of demons. I don't live in that world. So sad, that dear woman saying she cast the devil out of herself every week. She says she's cast the lying spirit out of herself every week. This is a preacher holding a seminar in Toronto this week. She says she cast a lying demon out of herself every week. I heard her say it. And, and if you have an occult, had an occultic involvement in your life, do you think it's so great? Like, is that your card? That's your thing? So you had a little bit of a card. What, what do they do, those witches? They, the, the tar, tarot card. Thank you, brother. So, so you think that's so powerful. I mean, that is so enormous that you had a tarot card reading. So that kind of, I just cancels Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the whole thing, because you had a tarot card reading. How pathetic. What a deception. My God, I'm getting, I want to kick something here right now. <laughs> Come on, lift up your hand. If you want to pray with me, pray. Otherwise, don't. If I can listen to that, would you say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have defeated all principalities and powers forever that the devil is under my feet and in the name of Jesus I renounce those teachers who have spoken in the name of the Lord about influences of demons that are not from your word I renounce those preachers, whether on television or on seminars, that have made the devil so big and have deceived my mind. I renounce that deception. I am free. Jesus has set me free. Thank you, Jesus. I have authority. That's my reality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now in the name of Jesus, I speak to every religious spirit. Should there be such a spirit here? You are not to be here in these hearts. You are defeated. Every spirit of religion and deception and infirmity, whatever it is, you are gone out in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for your life. Oh, give Jesus a big clap. Hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Peter Youngren. For information or to discover more resources, visit online at peteryoungren.org.